You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Hi, Kyla. Nice to see you. Yeah, I'm like riding high today. So many things are working out. I'm glad for that. The, yes. uh What are the things that are working out? Well, uh, we got updated information from the court on uh, the status of court proceedings in COVID, and I was a little terrified about my next week because I had a trial on Tuesday or Monday, a with multiple civilian witnesses, a trial on Tuesday in traffic court, followed by a trial Tuesday night in traffic court on Vancouver Island with multiple civilian witnesses, and then a trial on three day uh, trial, a three day trial starting on Wednesday yes. in Nanaimo with multiple mm-hmm. civilian witnesses and several police officers. So I was anxious about you know the dying of it all. Yeah. Well, um, there's been uh, some COVID in our office, and so we're back to working from we, home. We've had a COVID outbreak in each of our offices. Yep. Out, not, I wouldn't call it an outbreak. Well, no, been, we're using the definition of outbreak that they use for long-term care. Which is one, one, one case. case. <laughs> one case. Um, and uh, people that were away, but it doesn't matter because we know it's coming. The thing is, I just don't want to have our office wiped out, and I've no. got everything I've got to do reasonably to protect everybody there. Yep. So most of the lawyers are now working from home. Uh, mm-hmm. Some support staff are working from home, and mm-hmm. um, we will uh, see how things go in the next little while. But thank goodness, because you know the shortage. There's a shortage of police officers right now because there's so many police officers around the country uh, with COVID. I know in Winnipeg they're pulling uh, detectives off to use them for traffic enforcement. They're going to have to bring have back no all the unvaccinated cops. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the uh, and they're sending out police off or uh, firefighters now who have COVID. Uh, so long as they're physically capable of still attending, they're expected to still attend. Come from. Uh, quarantine at home, isolation to come to fight the fire, if there is one. Uh, And we have a similar thing, you know, in court, we're going to have police officers who are unavailable. Uh, We will have witnesses who are unavailable. And then we also have ourselves at risk and everybody Mm -hmm. else is going there who's at risk. And so we waited and waited and waited. And, you know, we sent sent direct messages or or uh, tweeted at the BC Provincial Court wondering when they were going to make a decision and hoping that they'd make a decision that was a little bit more long-term than this other one because COVID's not going away in the next week. Nope. Uh, the, la- the last order was for a week. Uh, but uh, so now we are, uh, uh, everything is being adjourned until the end of January, by the looks of it, the 28th, I think. Yay! Which makes perfect sense. Uh, there's no reason to have to go to traffic court and Yay. risk your life. Yay! <laughs> Just because you feel that you you are innocent of a traffic ticket and you want to have a trial. Yep. You don't, uh, you're not putting a the position of making the decision of either not attending and getting a conviction or attending and risking your health. And really weird for me, uh, just personally, on both the traffic tickets as well as the driving while prohibited trial and the other trial, all of them had multiple witnesses, which is not normal. You know, normally with the traffic tickets, it's the officer who issued the ticket 
and that's it. Mm-hmm. With a drive while prohibited, it's the officer who saw you driving, and that's it. So these ones were unusual. That unusual. You had that many people coming. Yes. So I'm happy to have them at least go away temporarily. Well, we conducted a long one uh, in a in the old Abbotsford courthouse. Yes. Still fairly on early on with COVID, and it was it was terrifying being there. Uh, terrifying conducting it. Hard to conduct it with all that plexiglass. Um, and I uh, would not want to go through that again. My no. goodness. No. And now, of course, you could reasonably assume with Omicron that everybody in there would get it if one mm-hmm. person's got it. And fuck the and plexiglass. One, and that's person, not protecting and one, you. And one person will have it. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. And one person's going to have it, and you're going to get it. And then everything else that you have coming up after that is going to be compromised. It's interesting because, you know, they discovered that... Um, his, up until Omicron, COVID was not really being transmitted to people flying. You know, when you followed all the provisions, wore your mask, there was enough air moving around in the airplane or enough fresh fresh air, what have you, that it was safe to fly. Uh, but it's not safe to be in a courtroom, I can tell you that. Um, well, the air, yeah, airplanes like move the air around a lot. They all, always did long before COVID for reasons that don't entirely make sense to me, but have to do with nobody well, wants to be breathing other people's farts for Well, yeah, three, see, hours. I passed gas on an airplane before and you can't smell it within seconds. It's just gone, dissipated. It's been completely removed from the airplane. It's been sucked out. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere there's like a an airplane fart sucker. Anyway, this discussion is devolving. There well, are the, other sorry. things that have... But this, this is important. Yes. We have to discuss these things. Well, you had, uh, I mean, you've had, you, you are having a great week because you got a decision. that uh, You got the decision number one, the first reported decision from the, from the pro- provincial, provincial Court of Yukon sitting in Whitehorse and uh, Kyla succeeded. And this was an interesting one because it was a, uh, it was a, Succeeding on a charter violation that many lawyers don't even bother to argue with, a 10A violation. Mm-hmm. So give me the brief rundown. Um, so the police officer stopped my client's car because his passenger had been in some type of a suspicious interaction that could have been an assault, but the officer didn't know. So she stopped the car to investigate the passenger. And while she's talking to the passenger, she smells liquor coming from the car um, she satisfies herself that nothing criminal happened. And so she... With respect to the, the passenger. With respect to the passenger. And then she asks the driver whether he had anything to drink. And he said, oh, you know, I had a, two beers back there. And then she said, give me your license. And he took it and she was going to go run it. And he said, oh, well, you know, just so you know, I might have some warrants in Alberta. <laughs> and Interesting comment. She's, she's like, okay, and walks away. She never tells him, 10A that he is now he is now detained and that specifically she's investigating potential impaired driving so for lawyers uh we all know for non-lawyers um 10a of the charter is upon uh arrest or detention you are entitled to be notified that you're being detained and And the reasons for it and generally the reasons for it yeah and it doesn't have to be like there's no magic words right you can say you know hey i'm just gonna like look into your sobriety or something like that yeah. right? like it doesn't have to be something complex but there were some very interesting parts of the judgment that i really liked one using the word boy as a verb i like that <laughs> um two the fact that the judge said that it's not just 
to comply with a constitutional imperative that you tell somebody the reason for their detention, it's also because common sense as a police officer, if you suddenly surprise somebody with a new step in an investigation they don't know is being conducted, they can get really volatile. It's well, for your safety. It's for your safety. It's also just general fairness. It's, I mean, it's a charter principle, but it's general fairness. But I, I guess what I like about it um, is we always talk about 10A, 10B. 10B is the right to, to uh, counsel, to be notified of it, to have it happen immediately upon arrest or detention, that you're notified of it and uh, as quickly as reasonably possible. You're put in touch with counsel if that is your wish. And we always have, you know, courts have no problem with the remedies for right to counsel uh, notice not coming soon or not coming at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like they, immediately they will, they'll, they'll jump and there'll be a, very often a remedy. Uh, but in fact, section, later in the detention, there was a right to counsel violation. Exactly. But Section 10A ones, you know, prosecutors sort of look over it and don't really care. Police don't seem to think that it's going to matter uh, because they know that the court's likely just to skip over it. And most of the time, lawyers are looking at it and saying, well, you know, he probably could have figured out that, you know, he was being detained for this or something like that. I'm not going to argue that. And besides, it's, it's only 10A. What's the remedy going to be? It's not going to get excluded. But you've been arguing these 10A cases. Every case, every single case, if the officer stops my client for some reason that doesn't have to do with impaired driving and they start to investigate something else, I always plead 10A. And sometimes judges look at me like I'm nuts, but... Or if they start to conduct an impaired driving investigation and don't do anything that they're entitled to do, you know, don't do an ASD demand for some reason. Yeah. There's always, you know, there's very often is a 10A argument. And of course, making an approved screening device demand does satisfy the 10A requirement because you're notifying the person. I'm detaining you for this purpose because I've got a lawful authority under the criminal code if they're acting lawfully well, the to case, do this. The case here was also really interesting because the judge basically said that, you know, if you're detaining somebody for that purpose and you don't tell them, none of, you know, when he was looking at the ten uh, the Section 24.2 analysis, whether the client's statements made in response to the ASD demand were admissible, um, he said, you know, you don't, we couldn't say that the investigation would have got to that point had she told him because he might have behaved differently, might have complied with the demand, might have not admitted consuming alcohol, um, you know, and then she might not have had the grounds to ask him to blow. Ultimately, uh, he doesn't provide a sample. And that fellow was detained and taken back to the oh. police detachment. Oh, and which, the Crown's which is, position. Which is wrong to start with. The Crown's position on the detention, too, was absurd. They were like, well, he was only held in custody for an hour. And the judge was like, this could have like a transformative effect on somebody's life. It could stick in their mind forever. It's not just an hour, it's an hour. It's always amazing to me, prosecutors will persuade themselves, you know, this is just a minor thing. An <laughs> hour that a person's you. been loaded into the back of a police car taken back to a detachment and they take you yeah. into the basement, right? Like uh-huh. they don't keep you on the main floor. You're not I looking mean, out the window. I was, I was, I was arrested on a warrant when I was like 18, 19 years old for a missed traffic ticket hearing in Alberta. And it was on a Sunday and I was, you know, thank God I wasn't taken into the basement. It was bad enough that I was put in a, like a detention room that was probably an interrogation room that they normally used. They didn't put me in a, but I was ho- terrified. And look here, 
I'm I'm 53. Yeah, I'm still, you're still it's, thinking about it. It's, it's, you're getting anxious. Yeah, I can tell. exactly. It's 34 years later. <laughs> you're a lawyer. And 35 you deal with years later. All the time. And I'm still upset about it. I, I can still picture the room. Mm-hmm. I can picture the color of the walls, and I can picture the carpet and the the where I sat and the table. Like it's all still there. In Sherwood Park, RCMP. Sherwood Park. Wow. Okay. Uh, anyway, moving on. I know we started talking about traffic. Well, court. I think we should tell people where they can find it. It's got to be on the uh, provincial court's website. I gave the citation. Website. Yeah, 2022 YKTC1. Is it on Canley? It's on the provincial mm-hmm. court's website. There's no provincial court. Is there no? No, because the Yukon, oh, Yukon is a Yukon territory. Court. Territorial court, sorry. <laughs> I, I know this. Mock me. Okay, so it's on Canley. I'm assuming it will be. I mean, it was okay. just released today, so okay. it might take a couple days, but you can read But it, it is the first reported decision. That's great. Bing bong. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. And the first one of the year is a winner for you, A, and also for the uh, territorial court. And for the justice system. Exactly. Justice prevails yet again. Woohoo. Okay, moving on. We started talking about traffic court and how people are not going to have their traffic court in BC until January 28th. And that's fine. But people in Alberta are not going to have their traffic court. Now, tell me about this. I period. Wanna, I, I, I heard rumors about this. What, yeah. uh, what is So happening? when Alberta brought in its IRP scheme, it actually created a, a, a whole Administrative Proceedings Act. So anything that was considered admin, admin law in Alberta would be dealt with under Alberta's General Administrative Tribunal, okay. staffed by cops, ex-cops, um, and ex-prosecutors. The, at the same time, they also classified all provincial offenses as administrative matters in Alberta. So anything under a provincial statute would could be dealt with through this. They just had to enact regulations. Well, they've enacted regulations. They have quietly, in the midst of all of our COVID Omicron panic and shutting down courts, enacted the regulations to take effect February 1st. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To eliminate traffic court in Alberta. Now you get a traffic ticket, you're going to get an email ticket which is how we do it in BC now. We get e-tickets. Um, but you get your ticket emailed to you by the police officer. You only have seven days from the date you get your traffic ticket, which comes with a fine and driver penalty points and potentially penal consequences. And you lose your license. And you can lose your license. You only have seven days to dispute it. Wow. And instead of going to traffic court and having a judicial justice of the peace or a judge hear your case, I don't know how they do it in Alberta, instead of having a prosecutor prosecute the traffic ticket, as they do in Alberta, you have an adjudicator who has to render the decision within 30 days of the date you received the traffic ticket, online or over the phone. Forget gathering your evidence, forget being able to get evidence through FOI or through disclosure process to try and show that the radar or the laser that the officer used malfunctioned. Forget gathering your witnesses. Um, if there was an accident and things like that, get, you know, surveillance video. Screw it. You well, got a seven days to dispute it decision in 30 days. What about McNeil? No McNeil. No McNeil. No McNeil. Of course not. Demerits are staying the same. Oh my Some God. fines are actually increasing. Wow. While others are remaining the same. And um, incidents that are uh, highly complex, or meaning like cops charged with traffic offenses, obviously, 
or that are serious enough to involve bodily injury, and of course we know how governments like to define bodily injury, are exempt from this. Um, so this is Alberta's uh, transformative, or sorry, justice transformation initiative. This is phase two, transform justice into injustice. Um, well, that's the whole shtick mm -hmm. in Alberta. Um, yep. You know, Jason Kenney's government is the worst of the worst. Man. They'd like to have some sort of totalitarian control over courts. What? Um, they'd like to be able to. Uh, they'd like it to be able to vote who's guilty, um, and have only conservatives allowed to vote. Yeah, and, and they uh, and this is what they're doing. They say that uh, you get your ticket. It's got a QR code, so you can scan your QR code and go straight to the the dispute portal. Like. How Orwellian. Really freaky. <laughs> and, um, uh, the worst part, Paul? What? These changes to the Alberta uh, traffic court system also require you to pay to dispute your ticket. Oh if your God. ticket is up to $299 in fines, then you have to pay $50 to have your dispute. Non-refundable. You win, you don't get your 50 bucks back. You're out $50 no matter what. And if your ticket is more than $299, $150. God, why don't they do that to uh, to people with criminal cases too in Alberta? Yeah. If you charge with a criminal case, you have sure. to pay $1,000 to to dispute it. Otherwise, you're just deemed guilty. You know they do that in the U.S. Yeah. It's a, I'm not, you know, it's just coming. Yeah. All, well, this is probably all stuff coming from the U.S. Yeah. And the government has said nothing about this. This has, like, just been unrolled in secret. No surprise there. Yeah. and they're, Folks, they're... I don't know how anybody could stand living in, uh, living in Alberta. Now, this is phase two. Phase three will be any regulated area of provincial jurisdiction that oh involves fines. Uh-huh. So Anything. it's going to go beyond. Every... Property and civil rights in the province, roads, highways. What about uh, what about governing liquor? Uh, yeah. Well, hang on. What about like uh, environmental things? What about uh, um, any area of provincial jurisdiction? Wildlife. Yeah. What about regulating oil fields? Are they going to be able to just uh, yep have some control over? Yep. Okay. Well, I mean, they have a government adjudicator, I guess, who will side with them where the courts probably wouldn't before. So who it's knows? a great way for the, uh, who knows? Yeah. And this is like implemented, <laughs> implemented as, oh. as of February 1st, which means people are going to have their traffic ticket contravention hearings as early as February 8th. It sounds to me like if you were issued it before, you couldn't comply with that. So you still would be in the old system, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Because you thought they, you'd still, yeah. So it's only people who are issued tickets after February 1st, one would think, because the, the dispute proceeding. Okay, but let me tell you one good thing Alberta has done. What? So we're not totally ragging on the Texas of Canada. They passed a law saying that police can no longer set up photo radar in areas that are speed transition zones or those marked below 50 kilometers an hour except for construction or playground zones and anywhere that they are setting up a photo radar trap or speed enforcement trap they have to provide written justification the municipality has to provide a written justification for why they're doing it in that spot because they don't want so, fishing but holes but that's the police setting up or is that the municipality setting up municipality 
So the municipality, well, they've already got them everywhere. Do they have to justify the ones they've got everywhere? Yep. Or do they just have to run around for the next month and put them up everywhere? No, they, they have to justify where they've got them. So, you know, like, I, I think we talked about a long time ago, one of our ridiculous drivers was a guy who got a photo radar ticket on his way to the airport. And then he got a photo radar ticket like two blocks later, also on his way to the airport. Well, I've had photo <laughs> radar tickets in Alberta twice. Yep. So... All I have to do is go back to Alberta and I get a photo radar ticket. Um, the I don't know how that is. It's well, very, now you can figure out where it's going to be based on the justification documents. So, Alberta, what the fuck? This is so sad. It's so sad what's happened to Alberta. I mean, I left, I guess, at the right time. Yeah, you'd be leaving now. No, I would be. I mean, I don't want to live in that sort of system. I don't want to live in an Orwellian nightmare of a province where the government's uh, just they're probably contracting that out to some American firm. Well, you know, <laughs> the adjudicators are probably probably contracted out overseas. You know what ends Orwellian nightmares, Paul? What? Smart lawyers bringing smart lawsuits to try and stop government misconduct and police overreach. Well, lots of smart lawyers in Alberta and uh, you know, historically they've had uh, they've had uh, some significant capacity in their courts to actually get things done. So I wasn't who do you talking think it's about Alberta. Be? I wasn't talking about Alberta. Now I was actually transitioning about... to our next topic. Were you? Well, we have smart lawyers here and we're doing good things. What's yeah. our next topic? Our next topic is our smart lawyer friend Sarah Shelkey. Oh my goodness. From yeah. the Life Liberty Law Firm. And I know those of you out there who are listening to this who don't know Sarah or don't know of Sarah are kind of groaning Life Liberty Law. What a ridiculous name for a law firm. But honestly, she's earned the right to use that name. Well, not just that. I mean, this is the US where Life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness are <laughs> The pursuit of multi-million dollar settlements are, against the Lawland uh, Police Department. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's an amazing case that she's got. So she... Has sued what is it? Love, Lovely, Loveland Police Loveland Department. Police Department. She's building a. She's sued them a few times. She's she's building a new office directly across the street from the headquarters. There you go. <laughs> well, she can afford it because she's had some amazing, uh, you know, very many digit settlements uh, in cases with them. She had uh, uh, one where she challenged the chief of police to step down, and she would make a it's like like a hundred thousand dollar, fifty thousand dollar donation to something. If mm -hmm. he did, um, but it's an ongoing thing that she's, you know, catching this police department doing all of these horrible things. Yep. And this most recent one is a, uh, a traffic stop and the guy's pulled over and I think he had no symptoms or anything like that. Tell, tell what happened here. Like he became yeah. really suspicious of the officer early on. Yes. Yeah, so oh, he yeah. was driving was perfectly. Yeah. He was light. driving perfectly, signaled his lane change and he gets pulled over for no good reason. So and the officer's like, you didn't signal your lane change. And he's like, fuck, yes, I did. So in the States, if they they have sometimes... Probable cause. They have, well, hang on. They have sometimes they have videos in the cars and often they have <laughs> body cameras. And the body cameras can be great because you can see what happens. If we had body cameras here, we would have many fewer uh, arrests and convictions. Um, mm -hmm. But they also have video cameras in the cars. We don't have them usually in BC. Sometimes we get them. We don't know what the... The, the rationale is between having for having them in some cars and not others. Uh, but uh, they didn't have them in the police cruisers in this case. And often what we see is um, police officers alleging some sort of bad driving and there's no external evidence about it, right? It's just, you're just relying on the police officer. There's no paper trail. There's no video. 
There's no contemporaneous description in an audio by a police officer. There's just a pure allegation. Uh, he didn't signal. Well, he must be drunk. He might, yeah, <laughs> I've got to pull him over for failing to signal. So they in the States, they need a reason to pull you over. Of course, in Canada, they can pull you over just to check you out. Yeah. Um, but America uh, don't stand for that. In the States, they need a reason to pull you over. So it pulls the guy over, and he's thinking to himself, well, I did signal, so you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on. Yes. So after he sort of started to become suspicious of the officer and his motives, um, the officer then started to like question him in relation to the, you know, drinking and, and things like that. Um, and he was taken aback by it because he hadn't had anything to drink. And he told the officer that. I think yeah. he answered the question. Yeah. yeah. And the officer says there was an over, overwhelming odor of alcohol coming from the vehicle, yeah. which, like, again, it's again, one of those things you, you can't, can't capture. It. You can't capture it. You can't detect it. It's not on video. You mm-hmm. know, it's just there. And police officers learn that they can lie about it. Yep. And so Mr. Uh, Elias, that's the guy's name, decided. I'm not going to keep talking to this dude because this dude's unhinged. I got a right to silence. So he exercises his right to silence, which means that the officer decided to continue to detain him. Well, they have a thing. Uh, the, the legend is in this police force that if you don't talk to them, uh, they're just going to figure out some reason to arrest you. Mm-hmm. And we've heard that in British Columbia as well. If you rely on your right to silence, which you're entitled to do, um, you know, you you can get some police officers get real angry. And as far as they're concerned, they want to exercise their control over you. Mm-hmm. They think that they're the boss and they think that they can order you around in, a, in what should be a free and democratic society where we're ruled by law and the cops are not supposed to be thugs. But in any event. So after being unlawfully stopped and unlawfully detained, officer takes the guy's license and stuff back to his car. Yep. Leaves the guy sitting in his car wondering what the fuck is going to happen to him. Radios for backup. Two more police officers arrive for a person who is otherwise being compliant and only exercising his right to silence, which he's entitled to do. Radios for backup and says, I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, he's, he's refusing to answer questions. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, it's going to go, or it should go, like you letting him go home. Yeah. But, I apologize. And thanks for stopping for me tonight. I'm sorry I bothered you. Have a nice night. Have a nice night. Watch him see how he drives sure but don't yeah so the three officers then approach him get him out of the car and start questioning him more he continues to exercise his right to silence in colorado you can refuse to participate in sobriety testing you can't do that in canada listeners um so they asked him if he would participate in voluntary sobriety tests he said no smart man in canada they wouldn't have had grounds to do it in this case in any event so uh, they take him back to the police station, arrest him without any grounds, take him back to the police station and do an involuntary breath test on him. Zero. Low zero. Zero. Then they demand, after he proves that there's no alcohol in him, that he do a blood test. And he at first refuses the blood test because he's worried that he has so little confidence in this police officer that he thinks the police officer would be willing to switch vials mm-hmm. or contaminate his vial. But he does ultimately, I think, give a blood test, doesn't he? I believe so, yeah. And it comes back with nothing. Nothing in it. Um, and so he, but he is nevertheless charged with, with DUI. <laughs> what was he impaired by? He charged with DUI. He had nothing and, in his blood, nothing in his And when the prosecutors got the blood back, 
based on this police officer's report of the guy who purportedly didn't signal and then and reeked on of his, liquor and yeah it reeked of liquor but obviously hadn't um had anything to drink and they had to prove to charge and it wasn't until they got the blood back that they realized that this was a mistake now this was a particular mistake for this fellow yeah because, because he's, he's a, a pilot, pilot. And if you've listened to our one of our early episodes with Scott Wonder, special guest, we should have him back to re-up the discussion. Yeah. If you are a pilot in the United States, you have to file a declaration annually with the FAA, and you have to disclose any arrests, any driving prohibitions. So he has to disclose every time that he was arrested for DUI when he was totally sober, as proven, and explain that it was a wrongful arrest. Yeah. It stigmatizes him for the rest of his career, and he's innocent. One Proven wonders, innocent. One wonders what that will cause him. I mean, the change in oh. the course of action for him. How will his life change as a consequence of this? Um, will he? Will, it goes back to what we were talking about with exactly. that judgment. It's just know. an hour. Yeah. It's you, not just an hour. You don't know. This guy could be waking up in a cold sweat years from now as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could become angry. He's probably he could, waking probably, up in a cold yeah. sweat. He uh, he's he is probably not going to apply for jobs that he wouldn't that he would otherwise apply for because he's worried that this a record of the arrest is going to show up. Uh, you know, that's the type of thing that uh, for pilot, it might cost you millions of dollars of lost income over the course of your life. Um, and the uh, millions of dollars that the uh, investment uh, money that you would make investing that income. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> if you were if you were 28 and this happened to you and you were a pilot in the States, you might have a $20 million loss over the course of your life. Yep. So Sarah Shelke is suing the Lovelace. What is it? Loveland. Loveland Police. The Loveland Police Department, who I'm pretty sure are terrified of her now. Yeah, well, they should be because the, uh, you know, she she puts together this stuff and goes public with it when it's it's this bad. Not always. Um, But uh, I think that's a... Uh, public service to be doing it to be notifying the people of this uh, of this municipality that this is what they're dealing with and yeah. you know it sounds a lot like Lethbridge so um, there's an inquiry going on now into the police in Lethbridge and it's been a long time coming uh, and we should probably talk about that one day yes one day uh, I don't but, know anything about uh, it though not so today. not today and unfortunately um, because I got so excited about Sarah Shelke's lawsuit where she's totally going to embarrass the Loveland police again because I got so excited about the big win and the changes to traffic court in Alberta and the cancellation of traffic tickets in BC I never found us the ridiculous driver of the week the ridiculous driver of the week oh no we have the ridiculous driver and it relates to another case so the ridiculous driver of the week is not something that happened recently but it is um, a police officer who was disciplined and sentenced and then there's a question as to whether or not his sentence is too oh. lenient. So oh, his yeah. driving was oh. pretty ridiculous. He's going after somebody and he ends up and he's been just a drunk like driver. A drunk driver. And it's been drilled in this poor officer's head that drunk drivers are the worst thing ever. And he's lost various family members. I mean, it's it's kind of sad when you see it. the police are are taught in a really bad way that this is the one thing where they can be a hero is to stop the drunk driver 
who could go and kill somebody. Oh, and yeah. so this police officer begins a low-speed chase low with speed chase. Uh, a Jeep, I guess, I think it was. And yep. ultimately, he tries a pit maneuver. He's not trained to do a pit maneuver. Um, and then he, uh, that doesn't work. A pit maneuver is where you get up uh, in front of your police car up near the side of the vehicle you're pursuing, and you turn into it slowly to try and force it to basically go sideways uh, and spin around maybe into the ditch, and hopefully it doesn't roll. So he tries that. It's not something we do in Canada. You've seen it on American TV, I guess. That doesn't work. Eventually, the vehicle ends up off-road, and he uh, drives his police cruiser into the side of the vehicle, rams it, which leads to some significant injuries for a passenger in the vehicle. Kills the driver. Did he kill the driver? Oh, yeah, he we killed, killed the, the driver, driver, but that wasn't that in was the accident. That was found to be justified. That wasn't in the accident. So he gets out, uh, and the, uh, the driver basically... Uh, sort of pinned but tries to run the police officer down the police officer pulls a service weapon out and fires it and kills the driver yeah um, i don't see how that's justified but so it was ruled justified in yeah well i mean there was there can be reasons for that but in the end um they were looking at sentencing the police officer essentially for dangerous driving causing bodily no. harm i think it was criminal it? negligence criminal negligence was it okay yes. um and looking at his driving and the driving's pretty ridiculous i have to say what are you doing? Okay, so what is the risk of a, of a drunk driver that they're going to cause an accident? What is the risk of a drunk driver that they're going to cause an accident injuring somebody? Here, the police officer causes two accidents, mm -hmm. behaving unlawfully, ultimately leading to, to serious harm to one individual and a, a process of steps that leads to the death of the driver. Um, and so he's the ridiculous driver of the week. Now, why is it, uh, you know, why are we discussing it today? Uh, we're discussing it today because he was sentenced and the sentence that was handed down to me seemed quite reasonable. Well, uh, the first sentence was a $10,000 fine. And then it went to the Manitoba court of appeal and, um, they said, well, there should be a jail sentence, but, uh, at this point there's no, there's no imposing the jail sentence. He served everything else. He'd done his community work service hours his career's over, um, and so forth. And so the discussion that arose, uh, and the reason that it was appealed to the Manitoba Court of Appeal, and that it's now going to go to the Supreme Court of Canada, they think, probably will, I guess it will, because it's a split decision of the Manitoba Court of Appeal, was the concern that police officers are treated differently. Yes. When it comes time for them There's to be There's a two-tiered justice system where their status as police officers and the impact that their actions have on their career will be considered by the court? You mean the highly individualized inquiry that is a sentencing process? Well, I mean, there's a sentencing provision that you you're you have a higher obligation, and I think we expect that in certain circumstances, police officers have a higher obligation, and that's fine. Accept um, that. But, you know, you don't just, like, come down twice as hard on police officers in those circumstances where they're doing something in their duty when they're, you know, doing something in their duty, especially when it's a, a negligence yeah. issue, like a criminal negligence issue. It's one thing, remember that years ago, there was that police officer in Vancouver who uh, was using people on the downtown east side to deal drugs. He was planting drugs to arrest. Sure, he that's was an abuse of your authority. Arresting people to seize drugs that he could sell. He had, he had a bunch of cell phones and working for him. I mean, he was, yeah. he was running the whole show and they had this independent investigation and caught the guy. That's completely different. And he yeah. was dealt with harshly by the court. He yeah. got a harsher sentence. And this, when I look at it, 
Uh, you know, I think the trial judge's uh, sentence was fine. It was a driving offense. Driving offenses are very often a, uh, a fine. Um, the police officer's career is still destroyed. You could understand um, how he ended up in those circumstances. We don't, we cannot expect police officers to be perfect every time in those circumstances. It, you know, they, they are assessing things as it's happening. Uh, and every person is different. And, you know, we're not, some police officers are brilliant and you can have a great day and you can have a horrible day. And the whole time I've been thinking to myself, I've been thinking of Shakespeare, um, where your, your, your years of, of, uh, of good are interned in your bones. Um, and your one, your one bad deed, your one bad day, uh, mm -hmm. is the thing that ends up being what you're remembered for forever for. Uh, and you think this police officer probably worked and did a good job and, you know, every day of the year. And then he really botched it on this day. And now he ended up being our ridiculous driver of the week. Uh, but at the same time, I think his sentence was fair. So we'll, we'll yeah. see what the Supreme Court of Canada does with this one. Well, whether they I grant think, leave. Well, they, probably they have no choice because oh, it's yeah, a split it's a... decision and they've got, and that, and, and the, the sentence increased on um, on appeal. Sentence increased on appeal, and but it's uh, a crown appeal. But it, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Well, if whatever. We'll but, see if what the Supreme Court of Canada does. We'll see, but I'm just surprised. Like it's a, it feels really political. The Manitoba Attorney General's office wanting to advance that in the manner in which they want to advance it, and that the public's really upset about this. And I never hear the hue and cry from the public uh, about this. If they knew what everybody else was sentenced to. And they saw what the police officers were sentenced to. There wouldn't be this hue and cry. It's just yeah. they don't know what happens each day in court. And that's fine. You don't need to know what happens each day in court. And it's fine if you pay attention when the police officer is getting sentenced. But it doesn't mean that you are in a position, you know, John Q. Public, to say that this sentence is lenient. And the, the I don't know that the uh, uh, where they have the evidence to establish that there is more lenient sentences. That's essentially what they're arguing is we're going to take this on these lenient sentences that police officers keep getting. Yeah. Where's no, the evidence? Show of that? me the evidence of that. So I, I think that the, if they get to the Supreme court of Canada, they're going to get it handed to them. Like they, they're not going to, they're not going to get an easy ride. Uh, I don't think that the, uh, that the Supreme court of Canada really wants to um, start taking away discretion from judges on sentencing, particularly when, I mean, the sentence is not unreasonable here. Yes. So okay. There you go. That's our ridiculous driver of the week. And that's our podcast. Second one for 2022. 2022 in the bag. I can't, I'm just so impressed. You got your it's first decision. It's actually our first one of 2022. Is it? Yeah. Cause the last one was released on New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. Well, you know, people probably listened to it on the first, but in any event, the, uh, I'm just so so proud of you that you uh, succeeded once again, Kyla. You've got I'm happy. all of these reported decisions out there, and so many of them you've succeeded on, and other ones that you didn't succeed on. You advanced the law in good ways, so I'm I'm proud of you. Well, if you need to get in touch with us about a driving law related issue, then you can find us online at VancouverCriminalLaw.com or give us a call six zero four six eight five eight 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 nine. But probably best email us as we are like fifty percent remote right now. And uh, tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.